Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Well, I want to start by saying Merry Christmas to you and to tell you how much that as a spiritual family, we love to celebrate these moments together. And as many of you, as your pastor, I love these moments. I love the celebration. I look back on this last year. We've had an awesome year together, and these moments are always very powerful. And then to all of you that are new, I, I want to give you kind of the setting so that you know uh, that maybe you felt something different as you joined us and you started connecting. Maybe you felt a warmth. A lot of people call it friendliness, but we really believe it's a byproduct of family. So I, I just want you to settle in here for just a minute and to not think that you're at, quote unquote, a religious service, but really to engage with what our heart is. And that is, we love opening up the doors to our house to invite people to come in and experience family. And when you gather as a family, then you are able to talk about things that are important and to celebrate moments. And so that's always been our desire from day one. And uh, we just continue that kind of culture and environment. So we're glad you're here. I wanna welcome those watching online. Welcome our McKinney campus. I wanna welcome those that are in overflow as well. And so we're glad that you're joining us. Would you guys put your hands together to celebrate all those joining in with us. I'm gonna ask you if you have your Bibles to turn with me to Luke chapter two. That's the iconic, if you will, the, the most common section of the Christmas story. And I want you to turn there with me and I'm gonna take you to that passage in a unique way in just a minute as we look at the Christmas story together and find meaning in it. I started praying for you several weeks ago uh, because these moments are so big. People are in need of a, a touch from God at Christmas time. We really need it all year long, but it's like it becomes more uh, something that we recognize we need more at Christmas time. And so I started praying for you. And I just started thinking about how all of us this time of year are looking for moments. We're looking for these moments. So we try to create these scenarios so we can experience these moments that are outside of us. It all starts at Thanksgiving time, right after Thanksgiving, I have to tell you, my wife, she's full on Christmas, okay? She's full on Christmas, and, uh, and so it starts right after Thanksgiving with the Christmas lights. Now, that, that's not my house, okay? But that's where we're headed. Just, just, I need your help here. This is therapeutic, okay? You know, I'm just kind of one of these kind of guys where I play it out to the end, and I'm thinking if we keep going, this is, this is where we're headed. Um, we, we've been adding lights every year, and this year it was, let's add lights to the driveway. Let's get them in the driveway. I'm like, let's not. Let's not do that, because we have teenage drivers. And, uh, and so, yeah, two or three days in, the whole section got mowed down, and it doesn't feel good as, as the husband, you know, to say, I told you so. It doesn't feel good, but anyway. Um, so, so, so we want to have those lights, want to get us going a little bit, and then at some point, if you haven't already had one of these, you're going to have that family meal. And so you got, you got that family meal, and I tell you, the older you get, it's the best gift we could ever receive is to have the people you love together in one place, respecting and honoring and loving each other. It's the greatest gift you could give. There's nothing money could buy that replaces that gift. Yet a lot of times we have a lot of brokenness around that family table. 
We're asking God to help us with it, but we're looking for that meaningful moment. Now, I'll give you a little bit about myself. It's not Christmas for me until I get one of these. Now, how many of y'all even watching online or there in McKinney would say, you know what this is? How many of y'all know what this is? Far too few of you know what it is. You should, those of you that don't know what it is, you should thank God right now he brought you to church on Christmas Eve, okay, I'm telling you. Because this right here will change your life. It's called a Hello Dolly. My mom made it for me when I was a little guy. My mom can outcook your mom, I just want you to know that. And uh, she has a food blog, and so just look at the ingredients there. We got the graham cracker crust, we put the chocolate chips, the coconut, can I have a better amen? We'll put all that together, and then we'll take one of the most highly addictive substances on the planet called Eagle Brand Milk, and we'll pour it over all of it in Jesus' name. And I mean, where'd you get Pentecostal at that point? I mean, it'll, it's just like, it's, it's over with right there at that point, right? A few years ago, my wife decided that gluten was bad and we should go gluten-free and my daughters joined in and they teamed up against me. So now a regular occurrence is she'll give me something to eat. I will bite into it. I'll say, what is this? She'll say, it's gluten-free and I'll say, it's taste-free too. But I'm doing okay if you're praying for your pastor because I've decided that anytime I get something gluten-free, what I need to do now, and I've started a new tradition, is I just put some Eagle brand on top of it. You know what I'm saying? It makes it all right. I don't know what kind of experiences you like, but again, the, ne the next thing we wanna do is we wanna have some gift giving. We wanna, we wanna somehow, this is what the gift thing's all about. We're trying, and a lot of us aren't really good at it. We're trying to express to the people that mean something to us, we're trying to express to them how much we love them. And, and we don't know how, but we wanna give them something so that, so that there's this connection that happens between us. I, I could go on and on and, the truth is we're, we're looking for it and the lights get run over and the meal doesn't turn out and we don't always get the gift we want. What, what, what happens? We, we, we're, we're trying for it to happen and it, it just doesn't always happen is, 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 is the challenge. But, but we're after the moment. And I had this thought for this Christmas for all of us. Maybe we've got it all wrong. Maybe these things are great and these things can complement, but maybe... Maybe we should start looking in a different place. We maybe are looking for a spiritual moment. And that's what brought you even to listen to me here this time of year. Because you're looking for something you haven't experienced yet in a different way. So I decided to go to a nostalgic place, a different place, unpack a, a very familiar story and for us to think about the story together and then I'm gonna come back and I, wanna, I want us to really think about that story together. So watch this with me and I'm gonna come back and talk to you about it. I wanna read to you the key Christmas story, the, the moment where Christmas really happened. And I want us to really look at, maybe in a fresh way, in a real way, in an authentic way, what that story really tells us as we look at it from the Bible. But you may be asking, why are we doing it from this setting and this location? And, and that is because I believe as a part of our Christmas celebration, the majority of people would say a part of that celebration would include some type of spiritual experience. And for a lot of us, if we really think about where a spiritual experience like that would happen, 
It might include this type of imagery from a church setting, from a classic sort of perspective where we think maybe somehow, some way in that setting, I could find something meaningful, fulfilling. I could find a spiritual experience. And for some people, they would say God. They would say, I need, I need to find God. And some wouldn't even be able to articulate that. I'd like us to think, though, for just a minute about how we might come to a, a setting like this, how we might come to that spiritual moment, how some of you right now have come to this service and you're looking at things from different perspectives. We all come in different ways. Some of us, you know, we've just been so busy this time of year. We've had so many challenges. We're just, if we're really honest, we're trying to concentrate or focus or feel something spiritual, but we just feel a little bit numb. We, we just feel a little bit spiritually numb. There's others that are really intentionally looking for some type of help. You've had a problem with your marriage. You've had a problem with a child. As I like to say, there's, there's no pain like kid pain. You've had someone that you love have a challenge or a, a real a circumstance in their life and you really care about them so you're coming and you're really searching and you're looking for answers others of you you've had some kind of grief or loss so you're approaching this christmas season in this spiritual christmas moment you're experiencing it differently because there's there's not someone with you that's been with you before and i know for a lot of people a big response they have is that i'm going to go to a spiritual place and I'm wanting to find out about this perfect God. And so I know all the stuff I've done. And I just feel shame and guilt and separateness and condemnation. And I feel like, look, I don't even fit in that atmosphere. And what I'd like us to do as we look with a more honest perspective at the, at the Christmas story is realize that really we think we're so different uh, we, we think that our problems are unique and we really, we really in a lot of ways in our minds separate ourselves from one another and from God and we don't realize that actually we're, we're really a lot more similar than we think. As we look at the story, you know, I, I can see us, I can see myself in the story. One thing that makes this time of year challenging is it's not one thing, it's a host of things. It's that because of the increased activity and then the desire for meaningful, nostalgic moments and for Christmas experiences and, and for a greater level of love within the family, it, it's as if the highs are really high and the lows are really low. And so it's all of it that we're facing. And yet I'm so glad that the Bible tells us what was happening on that first Christmas. Luke chapter 2 says that in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David. A few months ago, I, I was in this place, and the truth is, it, it's a challenging journey that they were going on. 
This place, Nazareth in the north and going to Bethlehem is a 90-mile trek. And so I don't know how much you know about the Christmas story, but you have a young girl and and she now has a visitation from God. She's going to give birth to a, a child as a virgin. And she has this man she's engaged to, Joseph. And so there's a lot going on here. There's a challenging travel. There's riding on a donkey while you're nine months pregnant. You've got the fact that she's probably had to have a lot of interesting conversation with family, with friends. And, and yet the Bible tells us she just has this supernatural, I trust you, God. Whatever you say, I trust you, I trust you. And so she's on this journey. Her and Joseph, they've got things to be afraid of. They've got things they're trusting God in. I mean, they've got the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. They've got the ups and the downs. Look at it in the story. They're traveling to this town of David. And it says, he went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and she placed him in a manger. This manger is actually a, a, a food trough, a place to feed animals. A humble, messy beginning here. It says here, because there was no guest room or no room for them in the inn that was available for them. And then it goes on to say, that, that is what happened. That's what happened. The birth of Jesus to Mary and Joseph are there. The birth of Jesus, this baby. But then it goes on to say that there are these shepherds that an angel appears to to help them interpret and to begin to spread the word of what's really going on. And so I want us to not just talk about what happened, the birth of Jesus that was prophesied, and it was a dark time and a silent time before that, but what was the interpretation of what happened? Here's the why. It says this, these shepherds received this message from an angel and it says, do not be afraid. See, see, we're all in need of that message. Do not be afraid. If you came searching, if you came with grief, if you come with challenges, if you come reflecting on the last year and saying, I need to change some things about my life, wherever you're coming from, Fear, if you feel like you don't fit in, if you feel like, man, what's going to happen? Am I going to be sold on something? Am I going to be given something here that doesn't really work? What does it start with? To really experience God, you start with, don't be afraid. He's good, He loves you, and He has great plans. Do not be afraid. And then look what it says I bring you good news. If you have a mobile device or, or you have your, your Bible or you're using the notes, I'd like you just to underline that or at least think about it in a little more depth. Good news. It's good news for a few people, for certain religious people that have kept all the requirements, for certain people that have it all together. No, it says good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior. Because we're broken, because we're in need, it says he sent us a savior. The scriptural concept of it in term is the incarnation. It's God becomes one of us and dwells with us. A savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. That means he's the chosen one of God that fulfills the prophecies, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and laying in a manger. So we see here 
that this first story, ups, downs, challenges, but all along, through our fears, through wherever we come looking for God this time of year, or even when we're not looking for Him, He comes and says, don't be afraid. I have good news for every single one of you. I'd like us to spend our final moments together. We think about we're looking for a spiritual experience this time of year to feel something that we can't feel on our own. We're looking for power to change something that we know we can't change on our own. And I want us to really unpack what is this good news? What problem does it solve? And how does God come into our lives? I'd like us to talk about that together. this story as a kid that I just shared with you. Read it many, many times, but as I began to think about us celebrating Christmas together, these words jumped off the page. I bring you good news. I bring you good news. And so he's saying that that good news is for all of us and after many years, 20 plus years of sharing Christmas services and talking about this good news and even more importantly in my own private life and interacting with people, I'm, I'm finding there's so many people they don't know what that good news is. And, and some of you are saying, well, I could use some good news this Christmas. I, I, I'm ready for some personal good news. Well, if it's available for all of us, then why are we not all accessing it? And I think there's a few reasons why. There's some barriers. I've found that a lot of people have the wrong news. A lot of people have misinformation that they've gotten from siblings or friends or aunts or uncles or the internet or somewhere. They've, they've gotten a different news, a different information than the good news spoken about here. Other people have, have received, you know, just, just some, through their experiences, they've made up their own mind about what the news is, and there's barriers, and there's blocks, and a lot of people, quite frankly, just have received the wrong news. They, they don't have the good news here, so, so, so what are some of those barriers? Well, first of all, there's, there's, there's a lot of people in their lives, they, they think that when you start talking about the good news, and you're expecting me, you know, the preacher on Christmas, you're expecting me to spend the rest of my time primarily talking to you about heaven and hell. And if I were a good preacher, I'd say hell like this. Hell! I know how. Now, now, now don't, don't, don't get me wrong here. Heaven's in the Bible, hell's in the Bible, and, and it's, a, it's a piece of this good news here. And it's some really good news, by the way, because eternity's a long time and heaven's awesome. But for the most part, in our kind of comfortable suburban culture, the reason that's not the primary thing we can totally focus on, because most of us never receive the good news, because we think, man, I'm living it pretty good right now. I'm going to kind of roll the dice on life and hope at some point out there I can kind of get in on that heaven thing and stay away from that fire thing. My, my daughter, the oldest, this doesn't translate at the other campuses or online, maybe you saw, but she's singing and she's here this weekend. She has, by the way, green, a green blazer on that represents where God lives if you're looking for him this Christmas at Baylor University, down 35. Can I have an amen? And Aggies, we're not receiving members at this time, but anyway. When she was about four years old, she came and said, Dad, I, I, I want to be a Christian, a Christian because I don't want to go to heel. 
she called it heal because my nephew had told her that if you don't do things right, you're going to go to heal and you're going to burn and heal. And so her whole starting point, which I had to help her through, was, look, look, it's more than that. It's bigger than heaven and hell. There's more to it than that. A lot of people think, well, well, what the main goal here is on this good news is to tell us about all the things we've done wrong and the mistakes we've made. Here's what I found as a pastor. I don't really have to work that hard at it. You do just fine by yourself. You're, you, for the most part, you believe if everyone knew all the stuff I've done, there's no way they would ever accept me and much less God. I, I find that's what even makes us feel a little uncomfortable. I, I begin to pray for some of you that are spiritually numb. Why are you spiritually numb? You don't know how to deal with your guilt, so you medicate it, you push it down, you push it out of the picture, and you stay more and more distant from God. And so a lot of people just think, man, it's about finding out. The news is, we're messed up. Well, it's, 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 there's more to it than that. A lot of people deal with it and have the news that the idea and the narrative that we have today is that really we need favor, we need favor from this God and a lot of people think the way we get favor from that God is we do favors for him. It's the number one narrative I hear from people. Here's the good news. There's a God up there, he's powerful. If I'll do enough benevolent activity at Christmas time, if I'll show enough people that I'm good, and most of the time we measure good by the worst person we know. That's why you need a good heathen friend, y'all. I'm telling you, you need a good heathen friend because you're like, when you talk to God, you're like, look, now I'm a little messed up, but this joker right there, he's a full-on sinner, you know what I'm saying? So, so for a lot of us, though, what we're thinking about is if I'll do a little more good than the worst person I know, then God will give me some good news. I want you to understand something. The good news is so much better than all of that. It's so much bigger and better than all of that. And I wanna give some of you bottom line people real quick, right here, McKinney Campus, or those watching me by video, I wanna give you just a couple of minute section here where we talk about the good news. Here a few months ago, I diagrammed this out so that I, I wanna make sure you don't leave not knowing the basics of the story. This is like cliff notes in college for you right here, okay? Here's how the story goes, here's the news, here's the good news in a nutshell, we're all broken. We're all broken, let's just go ahead and admit it, right? You're like, man, I don't know if I fit. We, we all do not fit. We're all broken. There's a narrative out there today that we're all good. I think there's a country singer that's trying to convince us, I think all people are good. He's never had a two-year-old, I guess, I don't know. I didn't have to train my kids and my parents didn't have to train me how to do bad stuff. You don't wake up one day and go, I think I'm gonna try to mess up some stuff here. You naturally, by the way you are born, end up broken and doing things that you wish you wouldn't do. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know what's really tragic? This is what's hard to reconcile if you don't really know how good God is. We do the breaking sometimes. Like without even meaning to, we break relationships and things that we don't want to break, so we're broken, and we don't want to worship a God who has the same problems as us. We want a God who is different than us, and thank goodness our God is, uh, the creator God of the universe is perfect. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think, and he is transcendent above us, therefore the gap. There's a gap between us and that transcendent God. So what is Christmas? I'm talking mind-blowing, fry your circuits. A perfect God to reach down to us came as a perfect person. 
He came as a perfect person, a perfect baby, as a baby, but he didn't stay a baby. He grew up to live a sinless life as a sinless man, dealing with everything we've ever dealt with. He walks it out perfectly so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for us on a cross. He dies on that cross for us and makes a payment, and he doesn't stop there, which is different than any other religious ideology. Any other religious ideology is do these things while some human can somehow measure if you've done enough of it, but when you're in religion, you never know if you're actually meeting the standards or not. You're constantly weighing, which is what makes you want to quit when you live in a religious lifestyle. Jesus never said, do this, do this. Jesus said, I'm coming as one of you and I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you, and then he completes that sacrifice, but he is different than any other religious figure who's dead dead. He's alive. He raises from the dead. He's alive today. So if you've been feeling any nudging toward God, it's probably because Jesus is not a philosophy or an ideology. He's a living Jesus, and he may be knocking on the door of your heart. So that's the news in a nutshell, and And that's the story in a nutshell, but here's what I find for a lot of people, they don't know how good it is because they don't know how to incorporate it into their everyday. They don't know how that impacts your Christmas and your new year and your spring and your summer and your fall and the rest of your life. How does it really impact us up in our lives? Well, this is what Christmas is all about. God comes to give us hope in at least three areas that we all need it. So right there in McKinney, there's hope available for you. Online, there's hope available. For all of us here today, there's hope available. Let me give it to you in three ways. Number one, life. He talks to us about life. He lived a life that we could never live. He lived a life that you couldn't live. So therefore, because he lived a life that we could not live, we have access to a life that we could never produce. There was a funeral recently for a president. Doesn't come along very often. I believe it's been several years since it happened. In that funeral, the president was eulogized by his son, President Bush, both being presidents. He stood up in that tense atmosphere, millions tuning in to watch him eulogize his dad, and his opening comments in that tense atmosphere was, the goal of life is to die young as late as possible. And everyone kind of chuckled just like you did. Why did people chuckle at that? Because we want to live life to the fullest. We want as much of life as we can get. We want to suck the most out of it as we possibly can. And I find a lot of people, when they're trusting in themselves and they don't know how to trust in the life of Jesus, it constantly eludes them. Jesus came as a baby because a baby is accessible. A human being is accessible. You can access that life. And so you say, what does that really mean? Well, you're like, well, well, I, I've got betrayal, I've got unforgiveness, I've got pain, I've got challenges in my life. Well, well let, me, let me encourage you with this. Your pain can keep you from the life Jesus has for you. If you don't know how to reconcile it. I hear people say, well, I've been betrayed. Jesus has too. His best friend betrayed him. You're like, I need to forgive my mom or my dad or my friend or my spouse who walked out on me. I need to forgive my kids. I need to forgive. I need to forgive. Here's the good news. Jesus, when innocent, hanging on the cross, said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Hebrews says, he's experienced every single bit of whatever pain or challenge or temptation that you're experiencing. 
So he comes to bring us life. The second thing, though, he comes to talk to us about death. He says this about death. He, he paid a price that we could never pay. He paid a price for you that you could never pay. Speaking of death, Maya Angelou said, life is short no matter when you die. Anybody getting a little bit older? I was talking to two young fathers in their 30s and they said, we were talking about just, and I said, I'll tell you what people used to tell me as a young dad. They used to tell me, it goes by fast. And I used to think, oh man, no, you know, man. No, it goes by fast. Life goes by fast. The Bible says of life, it's a vapor. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. So why did Jesus come to die? You may have wondered what it was all about. Well, he was making a payment for you and I so that we could live forever by his death and his sacrifice. And he made a payment. You're like, I feel guilty. I feel guilty. I feel separate. I feel distant. Well, maybe that's because you don't know the news. Here's the good news. If you constantly try to make a payment that you don't have enough money to pay for, you will constantly be and consistently be more separated and distant from God. And you'll ultimately, whatever you fail at long enough, you ultimately quit. That's why religion is stupid. It's crazy. It doesn't work. You're like, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. All the, all the while, you don't have enough in your pocket to make the payment. And so you constantly don't know where you are with God be like this if you came over to my house. You came to my house. I love to host people, give. I love to give gifts. It's one of my favorite things. I love to give people something they really want. It makes me really happy. My wife loves to host, and we had some friends the other night over to her house. I gave some gifts. We had some great food. We had some laughs. We had some moments together. We just were thinking about how much we love each other and had a great moment. And, 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 and this, I'm talking about between you and God. It would be like this if you if you came out of my house and there you are getting your coat and we're standing at the door and, and, I, and we're just smiling and what a great evening and, and you said, what do I owe you? So, so if you come every time to God with what do I owe you, here, here's, the, here's the challenge with that. What you owe you can't pay. That's why it's a gift you have to receive, the payment that he made. I talked to a 63-year-old man the other day I talked to him and he stood there in the commons here at our Keller campus. He walked up to me after me putting this diagram up the first time. I had a little bit of Christmas touch to it. And he walked up to me and he had tears in his eyes. And I'm sitting there talking to him. I said, what has moved you so much? He said, no one ever told me that the payment has been made. He said, I've been a religious man. I've done some religious things and I have a religious family. By the way, sometimes that's the hardest to reconcile. Because you want to receive the free gift, but your biggest fear is, how will this cause some kind of relational rift with my family who are maintaining their religiousness? Well, I want to tell you, you can't impact them until you receive the gift for yourself first. And so you have to receive that. He said, I just didn't know. I didn't know it's been paid. And I thought he might kind of come out of the emotion of it, but he just kept crying and kept crying, going, this is just so, Why? It's better news than we can possibly imagine. We've baptized so many people this year, Miles. We've, we've water baptized more people than in the history of our church. Quite honestly, I'm seeing more people, lives being transformed than I have in 20 plus years of doing what I do. It's just, it's absolutely amazing. But I love this picture right here. I'd like to show you Josh. 
By the way, when these people are baptized, I sit there in the services and I watch them and I just, I get emotional and I just think about the lives and every single one of them matter to God. And Josh, what an example. He comes to Christ, his whole family's impacted, lives changed and, 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 and it's just amazing. But I love the symbol of that. Some of you are like, why do you have a tank with water in it? Well, Jesus, he gave us that model, but it's a public picture that I'm not trusting my religiousness or my goodness. When you go under that water, it's a symbol and a picture that I'm trusting in the finished work of Jesus' death and his resurrection. So that's why Jesus asked us to follow. It's just a public picture of that reality. But I love this picture as I've seen father after father after father with their children. What does a dad want for his children? He wants to provide to help them live what they're called to live, help them move forward. He wants to leave a legacy. He wants to protect. He wants to provide. Sometimes we give too much as dads because we want to give that to them. But this picture says something so powerful, that there's a payment to be made that even dad has to receive the gift from, that even dad has to receive the payment. No matter what the position is, we all need the payment and the finished work of Jesus. And I wanna tell you, it's amazing when dad takes that example. I wanna say something to the dads, listen to me. It's the greatest gift you can give your family. It's for you to receive that gift so that you then now have an atmosphere and an example for them to receive an eternal gift that's the most important gift they'll ever receive. Talking about family, there's also some more good news. Not only do we get in this relationship with Jesus now because we have peace with God, we're reconciled to God through the person of Jesus Christ. That's what happens when you receive that gift. And guess what? We don't become obligated servants anymore. We, we don't become some kind of just workers working out this thing. We become sons and daughters of God. We become his children. And then guess what he does? He puts us in a family. He puts us in relationships with others. He's like, now you're my son, you're my daughter. Now let me introduce you to your brothers and sisters to encourage, to reciprocate, to walk it out. I wanna say something. Some of you are like, wow, that's awesome. Sign me up. A family? A family where there's acceptance and genuine care for one another? It's called the family of God and he puts us in it. There's some of you know about that family of God and there's some of you know about that Jesus. And quite honestly, this Christmas, you're deeply unfulfilled and maybe mildly depressed. And can I encourage you with this? I am concerned as a pastor that a lot of people are in that place because they're disconnected from the family of God. Your destiny will lead you to your, your, your relationships will be impacted and your life will be impacted and your destiny will be impacted by your connection to the family of God. I say it this way, your destiny is tied to your relationships. When you find your people, you find your purpose. God places you in it. I wanna tell you this final story before I pray for you. It kind of brings sort of the whole picture together. I met a widow. I've, I've met so many amazing people, so many, God changing so many lives. I, I met a widow named Aquila, her name was Aquila. And before you disconnect, you're like, well, a widow. No, no, the Bible uses the picture of widow over and over, we see the story of Ruth and others because in scripture, they would have been the one that would be least likely to be brought into the family of God or really to have any hope for the future. So what is the Bible, when it tells us about widows and stories, it's saying nobody's too far away. 
Nobody is in a place where they can't be brought in to what God's plan is, and this good news is available for you. So she's, she's a widow, and she said, in fact, to me that she said 11 years ago her husband committed suicide, and she said, I experienced loneliness and despair like I never had before. And, and, and I was like, well, what's happened since then? She said, well, a year ago on Christmas, like right now, I saw people coming to the church. I saw the signs. I saw the invites to Christmas Eve. And she said, I didn't go. I said, why? She said, well, I had this thought, well, it's a big church, so therefore it's full of impersonal people. And if I go to the big church, then I'm gonna be lost in the crowd. It's not gonna matter. This is what I love about you, Milestone Church. You see the Aquilas. You recognize her. You know what she told me out of her own mouth? She said, when I showed up, they treated me like royalty. They helped me park my car. They brought me in. They loved me. And I'm gonna tell, I want everybody to hear this. When you show another person the love of Jesus like that. Let me tell you, he sees that because he loves every single one of them. Aquila said though, this is what I love. She said, I've had a difference and a transformation in my relationship with Jesus. I now help the other widows stuff bulletins. I now serve on the missions team. I now, and this is her exact words, my loneliness, my depression and my despair has been replaced with joy and fulfillment. And that's the story of the good news. That not only happens for Aquila, that happens for every one of us. And if what I'm saying about Jesus is true, and I believe it to be true, because there's really only a couple of options. Either Jesus is crazy and we should dismiss him, or what I'm saying is true, and if what I'm saying is true, it demands a response. It demands some type of response really from all of us. So I'm gonna ask you in this moment, if you would, just to bow your heads right here. Father, thank you for the power of this good news and we thank you that it's not just news or information Jesus it's your life and thank you for loving us thank you for coming to us we celebrate that here on Christmas in Jesus name amen thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church we hope it's been an encouragement for you today we invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com 